All right, welcome back everybody. Today we're going to be talking about why we focus so much on childhood. Some people have that question. Like, what? My childhood why is Why do fine. therapists always ask about my parents? Yeah, I'm here to talk about what's going on in my life now, not what happened to me you know, 15 years ago. I'm not the way I am because my dad didn't tell me. Or I don't want to blame my parents. You know, or that. Big I don't boy. Want to There's a lot of different, different things. Yeah. Uh, but first... But last time when we were walking out of here, I said, I want to talk about the weirdest. <laughs> the, just You know, I went the whole week trying to find something that could match your anecdote. I, I couldn't. I, I don't think anybody I could. I couldn't. No. Mine's, mine's an easy one. When I hear that question, it's there's one experience that is head and shoulders above the rest. So, in October of 2018, Canada legalized marijuana. But prior to that, it was kind of a gray area where mm-hmm. you could actually go to a store and buy it. To circumvent that, I think, and make it appear more professional, they had these cards you would have to get like a permit yeah permanent and so um i'm like you know what I'll, I'll go in and see if i qualify for the kind of medical exemption and going into it i thought this is totally legit like i'm going to meet an md like a medical doctor and so i walk in i had this appointment and everything was very professional like a you know a normal office and and this doctor who i thought was a doctor foreshadowing here walks out white lab coat you know a whole bit and they're like, okay, we're going to see you now. We just need to do our intake questionnaire, ask a little bit about your medical history and stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then as I'm going to this kind of patient exam room, there was this other guy who was in the waiting room and uh, the admin guy was like, oh, maybe maybe he should go in too just to make things faster. I'm like, I, I have never in my life gone to a doctor's appointment with a stranger. Like that's such a, I immediately felt a little uncomfortable. And so we sit down and she pulls out her clipboard and she starts asking us, he's very personal questions about you know oh, really? yeah she's like tell me about your mental health history and I mean tell me about what's going on in your life and then she's like okay so what's your contact info and and so that's when I started getting uncomfortable I'm like I don't want to say all my personal like where I live hmm. and my all my your stuff phone in, number, in front of this yeah. guy this random person and he's like yeah I'm uh angel devil slayer 88 killer <laughs> at hotmail.com <laughs> like some some wild email like that and I was like what the fuck is going on <laughs> And then I'm like, all right, whatever. Guy's just going through some trouble time. He's got kind of an edgy name. Edgy email. Yeah, edgy email. He's maybe like kind of a darker dude or something like that. I'm like, whatever. And so she's like, okay, so it's really important that we really all have a good understanding about what the substance is and it's different types. I'm like, okay, cool. And she's like, to do that. And she pulls out a boombox and then hits play. And there's like this beat that kicks on. And I'm like, all right, this has got to be a like a, someone's a filming show. Yeah, someone's- this cannot be the medical exam process that I was informed about. And she's like, all right, so what I want you to do, and she pulls out these papers and gives us each one, and she's like, to help us understand this, I want you both to, you know, say, if, talk over the beat, you know, maybe even sing a little. And so she's, <laughs> she's singing about these different types of weed. This person who I thought to that point, I'm like, this cannot be a doctor. At no, that, point, that, like, that right there, the doctor dropped, right? She's no longer an MD. Like the little bit where I'm like, yeah. maybe she's just an out there doctor. No, no, she's no not chance. A doctor. And so this guy's like rapping away, saying his part, and then it comes to me, and I just like <laughs> froze. I'm like, I can't do this. This is insane. <laughs> and she's like, Come on, it's not that bad. I'm like, Okay. Uh, and I started, I started like going along with it the social pressure we talk about in our other episodes <laughs> it got me man i succumbed and you sang you sang about weed and so i'm sitting there and there's two types right one was indica and one sativa and she's like the sativa part that i had to sing was like a high note and i'm like <laughs> i don't really have a high sing-song voice so i'm like i don't and she's like sativa you gotta hit it and i'm like oh, trying to hit this note and i'm like going red i'm probably going red now telling it i was so embarrassed and i felt so awkward and uncomfortable 
at this time. So we go through and I sing these these parts with this guy and then she pulls out like a little pamphlet and she's like, okay, so I also on the side do percussive chants. I'm going to be performing at this place. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is like a some type of it. weed doctor slash performer. chant performer slash she has a energy healing business on the side or something. I'm like, okay, so I, I took the card and I'm walking. I'm like, my wife isn't going to believe me. No one's going to believe me that this has occurred. They're going to think I'm exaggerating. Or <laughs> That's that what I'm you're telling the world right now. Making, so that this you is, can validate This is my, my so chance. So someone out there can write back and yeah, say, I at, had the same thing happen to me. Yeah, this is at MMJ, the downtown office. If any workers there or anybody who's been through this, in the odd chance you hear this podcast, please. Reach out. Let me know Let me that know insane. that this isn't some kind of fever dream. <laughs> That, <laughs> that I had or I drank some bad tea or something. it was it was wild I wish that I had a recording talking no. about my inner problems with Demon Slayer 88 at Hotmail like. so anyways that's that that's the most random that is pretty random so what's what's random. yours are you declining I, I am declining I have dec- nothing hard pass eh? that, that compares to like that kind of random I have random like meeting people I have met a random like how I met my husband was kind of random but nothing nothing at the level of there. random and embarrassment like that combination yeah. you bring to the table was, right now is it's quite, I felt like, quite you know, interesting okay anyway we got a lot to get through we should get to it let's uh let's get started here You're listening to What Brings You In, a weekly series featuring psychology talk with therapists Ryan and Carrie. Have something to say? Want your question answered? Visit ryananswers.com slash podcast to get in touch. Okay, so why do we focus so much on childhood? Well, we're not talking just about bad experiences. No, all experiences. Like everybody has this... or. Most people have this idea that when therapists want to know about your childhood, it's because mm-hmm. we suspect there's some repressed memory or something bad. Or, or bad. The, the typical Freudian stance, right? We want to know about your your complex with your mother or, right? Like mm-hmm. all those Yeah, we're going to talk about how you want to have sex with your yeah, mom and yeah, how you're yeah. jealous of your dad. That idea of... People are like, that's crazy. I don't believe in that. Yeah. Well, that's cool because we don't even... We don't either. So <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, but what we do want to know is how you form. And everybody is born, we're not a total blank slate. Like Steven Pinker, the, um, I think he's a neurologist at Harvard. He does a really good write-up of this in a book called, it's called The Blank Slate. And he talks about how we're not really born with a blank slate. Not completely. Yeah, we have machinery. Like, for example, if you don't learn language by age five or six, you will never learn to speak. It's not possible. Hmm. So there's different examples of things that we are innately with. Yeah, like the seven emotions, the seven basic emotions, facial expression of those seven basic emotions. Mm. There's things that we're born and no matter where we come from or where we live or where we live or what culture mm. we belong to, we will have. Yeah, so that's your basic machinery. Think of that like your hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, what your parents give you is a software. They teach you how to use that, how much to use it, what to think about it. So what's, what's an good, example? What's bad? Let's say... Some people learn that when you're angry, uh, maybe you see your dad and he, he throws things or punches things or, you know, yells mm-hmm. or is very abusive. Then your brain files that as, okay, when I experience this emotion that I'm programmed with, that I come kind of inbuilt as part of my brain, this is how that manifests. This is or how this it. emotion is very dangerous. It is something I yeah, cannot accept. Therefore, I will never get angry. Yeah, I'm never going to get angry because my mm-hmm. dad did that and I hate it. Yeah. What I'm trying to understand from my clients is their personality. How was their personality formed, right? And in psychology, there's a lot of research that shows that early childhood experience kind of frame the core beliefs that we start to incorporate in our lives. 
So can people be trust? Are people trustworthy? Is the world a trustworthy place? Um, am I good? Am I loved? Um, um, are others good and valuable? Right. So, and these are things we start learning when we're kids, and they're formed by experiences when we're really young. Adler even had this really cool exercise, which I suggest all our readers to try to listeners try to do. It's called early recollections, um, and it's it asks you a really simple thing. He says, sit down in a quiet place and be, be, write down before the age of ten your five most vivid memories good bad neutral whatever it is right so before the age of 10 that's like fourth grade so before fourth grade five memories and then he asks you what did you learn in those memories and if you do this exercise with like openness and I mean like kind of internal peace you'll probably find that what you learned in those experiences are really important values in your life maybe you come in as an adult and your partner says uh, of you that you don't open up or that you don't talk, and then we're trying to figure out why did that happen? Why do you behave in that way? Behavior is not random. No, it always has a purpose. It's always a purpose. So when we're fishing around in, in childhood, we're not necessarily saying, hmm, you don't talk to people because you uh, were traumatized and you went through no. this bad experience. We're not saying that at all. We're saying that you have chosen a level of disclosure with other people in your relationships for a reason. If we can figure out that reason, maybe we can help you work on it. Or identify that whatever that source is doesn't really apply with to this your, person next to, to this you. person next to you. EFT therapist Sue Johnson kind of talks about these subconscious decisions of when you were trying to be vulnerable and then how did people react to your vulnerability. So maybe it wasn't that you had, you know, a difficult childhood because mom and dad had substance abuse or anything like that that you immediately think of a difficult childhood. Just one moment in particular, you came home, you're really hurt by something happened in school, and mom was taking care of a younger sibling. And you felt so awful trying to talk to her, then then you decided maybe I shouldn't ever try to do this again. So there's nothing on your mom, like your mom was doing what moms do. Um, but unfortunately, that moment for you, you made this a subconscious decision of just mm. not going. And you might not even recognize yeah, that. Yeah, you might not even recognize When we that. ask you, you may not ever even think of that moment. Mm. So when you're thinking about all this therapy stuff, we're not trying to say you need to have a shitty childhood to no. have effects on you. Everybody has effects regardless of your childhood. But for the people, and there's who, no perfect parents, so definitely, there yeah, there was, there's always yeah. things that go a little sideways. I mean, that's just life. So, there's kind of two in the middle. So, there's the secure we talked about where you have very attentive parents, kind of think of like a storybook family where nothing ever really goes wrong, or when things go wrong, you talk about it, yeah, or when things go wrong, there's a lot of uh, strong resolution, yeah, where it's like maybe momentarily you're uncomfortable or anxious. But and then, then mom and dad come and help you fix it or you have these family meetings mm-hmm. where you talk about what you're feeling or what mm-hmm. you're thinking or big decisions are processed together. Yeah. When when shit hits the fan, it ends up working out. Yeah. And then so you develop yeah. a good sense of stability. Yeah. So there are kind of two in the middle between mm-hmm. secure and, and maybe neglectful or abusive. So one would be somebody who is overly cautious or attentive. The parent who's like, be home by nine or don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. They're mm-hmm. constantly... Or it's really dangerous you. outside. You can't go by yourself. Always go with yeah. someone else. Stranger so danger. Don't walk too fast. Stay close to me. You could fall. Right. Those parents, they give you a heightened sense that the world is dangerous. dangerous. Like we just talked about, you look at what your parents are doing and you make subconscious assumptions about the world. Yeah. If mom is constantly or dad is constantly, don't do that. It's dangerous. You're hearing danger, danger, danger all the time. Uh, and you eventually go, wow, the world must be a pretty crappy. wild yeah. place. It's raw out there, man. I better yeah. watch what I'm doing. Yeah. And you become a very anxious person. 
and then you grow up and maybe in your relationships you're constantly worrying about where your partner is or what they're saying or Or a catastrophe right anything can go bad and when things go bad they're awful like we can't survive when something bad happens to us life cannot be difficult for us Mm -hmm. right so then you have this kind of catastrophic kind of dialogue inside Mm -hmm. right so i'm going in a test but when i sit down and take my test i'm not it's not a piece of paper i'm facing i'm like facing a giant beast that's going to eat my life right like the that internal battle of seeing catastrophe in anything or in a lot of places so that secure we talked about where if things start going bad eventually they worked out and so, so I when things, that I can fix things. Yeah, you learn I can things. fix things. And that if when, not, I can live through them, right? Like, it's not going to kill gonna me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be so okay. So when there's instability, things get turbulent, the anxiety doesn't rise as well. But when you have people like that, that's not what happens. Hmm. They go, oh my God, any little disturbance, all of a sudden it triggers you to a 10. Yeah. There's not a proportional sense of anxiety. It's just anxiety all the time. Yeah. So when we talk about anxiety as a disorder, something that's going on, one of the ways we can look at that is through that attachment lens that you didn't really get those coping skills and that security from your parents. And as yes. a result, you now you really worry about the future yeah. constantly. So th- the opposite of that, going towards the neglectful side of things on the spectrum is parents who are just not emotionally expressive or attentive, or they maybe even diminish emotion, mm. like don't cry, man up, um, yeah. why are you being so needy and annoying, why are you so whiny? They mm. reframe your emotional needs as being too much, too much, as being a burden, negative. So you learn to disconnect from your feelings. These are people who are, or that you're bothersome, that feelings are bothersome. Yeah, right? feelings you should, are something that push other people away. Feelings are messy feelings are annoying yeah so don't have them don't have them or or deal with them on your own but whatever you do do not talk to me about them and then like we talked about again going back to that theme of we're interested in this because you model what you see from your parents your parents give you that message in your adult relationships then you're not going to talk about your feelings and you're also going to reflect the message from your parents to your partner you say why are you crying why are you you doing this why are you so emotional yeah, and we see this all the time with couples where one party is saying, why are you so emotional? And the other one's saying, why on, are you man. so cold? Oh, yeah. So I'm um, human. Right. right, so we've talked about, Ryan, and kind of discussed like four different types. So we said the the overprotective kind of shows the kid this inner dialogue of being the world is dangerous, people are dangerous, you won't survive catastrophe. Then we have the secure, emotions can be processed, when shit hits a fan, we can make it, it's not that big of a deal, everything's going to be okay. Then we have this, don't bother me with your emotions, your emotions are too much, you're too sensitive, you're too whiny, you're crying too much, so the kid kind of learns that emotions should be kept and managed by themselves, they're messy, they're annoying, they make us weak. And then we have this abusive part where people are dangerous, I'm sometimes they, they we can believe that we're not worth much um, and that the world is unfair, right? And there's this like sense of resentment and anger mm-hmm. at times. At times, then there's also this other one that can be found in 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 a little bit in each of these. Whereas where the the child learns that he or she is worth what he or she does. What does that mean? I am a valuable person. I have good grades, and I am successful professionally. I am valuable if I make money. I am valuable if I look pretty and skinny I am valuable right so we attach different my value as a human being to an external factor right and then the tricky part of this is then I become that so if I fail at something it's not that I failed at this test it's not that I failed in ninth grade it's not that I uh, gained weight 2020 (laughs) it's I everybody everybody (laughs) it's that I am a failure so this is something that's really common 
And I mean, in a lot of successful professionals that I, I know and have worked with as clients, their success is driven a lot by, I need to do this. It's, it's, oh, they talk about their drive. A lot of people talk about the drive to be successful. But in many cases that I have to work, I have to work, I have to work is because of what Carrie's talking about. Yeah, if I don't so you work, feel if, if you're not us. working, people are like, oh, I can't ever sit down. I can't take breaks. And it's almost like they say it as a badge of honor, as a mark of pride. But that's usually, if you can't sit and relax and mm. enjoy your life, you feel like you must be producing or working all the time or you must be exercising or you must be, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Loved by others. That Yeah, you need approval. Please, yeah. Like if anybody disagrees with you or doesn't like what you have to say, mm. then suddenly you feel really, you get knots in your stomach and you have to gain their approval back. These are all signs of really intense inner critic that has skewed your sense of Worth. I'm a good person and I'm a worthwhile person and externalized it. That's it. And, that, that, and sometimes when that shows up, you're not even cognizant that's going on, right? So hmm. I catch myself frequently when I make a mistake, I have to stop and be like, okay, Carrie, just because you made this mistake doesn't mean you are a mistake. That doesn't mean that you will continuously hmm. make mistakes, right? Because that voice in my head is, is like pops up really quickly, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that if I hadn't gone to school and studied what I did and, and tried to go into therapy and all the things, I wouldn't, I wouldn't catch as fast as I catch it now. So I would guess that most of our people, our listeners will catch it because of the emotional response. Yeah. So that, that not in the stomach Ryan was talking about, that uh, anxiety about something, um, the, the, you know, like the sinking feeling if mm-hmm. someone doesn't like me or the sinking feeling when I don't get a good grade. Or, yeah, like when you get an, an 89 instead of a 95 and someone's crying about that. Yeah. You know, and they feel like I'm, I may as well have not even Or not having tried. money in the bank. Like not having the amount of money I think I should have in the bank. Or yeah. not doing the things I should have done by the age I am. Yeah. You no, know, by 35, I should be blah, X, blah, Y, blah, Z. Blah, blah. Yeah. Done all these things. Man, when I was a kid, you ever play the board game Life? Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would always get the, um, like the lawyer and like the 80 grand and all that. And I remember thinking as like an eight-year-old, by the time I'm 20, I'm going to be, <laughs> I have 80 grand, I'm going to have this car, and like, holy shit. You dude. know, that, 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 that's so interesting, because you said that, I immediately went back to my life, and yeah. it was, I'm going to have a car, and I'm going to yeah. have three kids, and my yeah. husband's going to be really cute, and we're yeah. like, my family's going to buy this beautiful house next to the beach, and I didn't care about the money or the profession, I was oh, like, man. I need to have a family. Yeah, so that, that goes <laughs> to show you, like, these things, if you don't get those, and I mean, I was legitimately upset. That when I was 20, I was just yeah. going to school and, you know, I didn't make 80 grand a year and not even close and all this stuff. And I had that exact dialogue. I was like, wow, this really hasn't worked out for me. What am I going to do? I'm like at 20, yeah. right? That was my, I better start a business and get it going. So I'm, a lot of this stuff applies not just to other, we're not no, just talking about everyone. other people. Like this, this is literally yeah. me. That's why I work so hard through my 20s. And then I kind of realize, all right, I can slow it down a little bit it's okay to take a break therapy isn't you are freed of this entirely it's no, i understand it what's driving me and i can correct it and manage it and, and learn to feel better about myself on a yeah. day you're basis. the owner of it right instead of it owning you mm-hmm. is how i see it right so this value i have in my life game of family 
um, if I would ever get into a fight with my my then uh, fiance or my boyfriend, I'd get really really anxious about it. I wouldn't say anything because mm-hmm. I don't say anything, but I would get really anxious about it. I'd worry about it. Now I know, okay, Carrie, just because you have a fight doesn't mean your family's over. It doesn't mean you're going to get divorced. But yeah. I have to say that, that to myself because me. I quickly become this critic. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I'm not mm-hmm. right, and that's such a huge value in my life and in my family and in my culture, even right, the family structure. So. Um, these are things that not just our parents, these are things that come from the society we're in, our culture, and what values it has. Experiences, who you idolize as a kid. Everyone around you. Yeah, you take you kind of take in information from everywhere, and you make your own records as you yeah, age. Your own music. If you don't do that, though, you can end up trapped in some really negative patterns. Like, maybe you have the person who's like, I don't know, when I lose my temper, I just... It's like I don't have control. It's like so the brain hits the anger button, it picks up the record, puts it on the player, and you're just along for the ride. Yeah. And and part of therapy. When you say that, I think when you said that, this applies to everyone, us and and everyone. Just the the difference is we manage it because you know we know it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that'd be the key difference. When you manage it, you put on the record. You pick the song and you pick how you dance. Yeah. If you do not know it and you do not manage it. There's rhythms playing in your head. You have no idea where they're from and exactly. why they're happening, right? So to you, <laughs> it haunts me to this day. <laughs> so what, what Carrie's talking about there—that's kind of how it all comes together. And what is on your records, and whether or not you choose that, determines a lot about your life. Uh, it can correlate with political affiliation. Like we're talking about, I'm sure you can draw the parallels. There's one side that really cares a lot, is very worried and wants to help everybody. And there's another side who's very independent and very much, I'll take care of it on my own and each man for themselves. Uh, then there's what kind of relationships do you like? Do you like people who are very close to you or do you like to have a lot of independent your space. Own space? Do you talk about feelings or do you not? Even what kind of professions are you drawn to? Do you feel invaded to? quickly? Yeah, like most avoidant people do not without significant work at least, uh, make great therapists. They just mm-hmm. don't have enough mental awareness. Like early in my 20s, I was definitely not a good therapist for that reason. I just didn't, I hadn't spent enough time yet looking through my own inner world mm-hmm. and figuring out what's going on. I think every on. therapist has to go to therapy. I totally agree, yeah. yeah. Totally agree. How, how could you not? So it also determines different things like what kind of mental health issues you're predisposed to. Yeah. So if you're more avoidant, so substance. if you have yeah more substance abuse uh, is a big one. Um, if we go far, far avoidant, when you just don't have that awareness and you have extreme emotion, you can have criminality and, and deviant behavior. So these are people who've gone through a lot of abuse from their parents. Uh, like criminals, people think, again, going back to that idea, they're bad people. No, absolutely not. Not even close. Uh, many people are... They've made very bad choices. They've made some bad choices. Some of them didn't even make like a whole bunch of bad choices. Just one. Some people had just one really awful choice and that was it. Like they yeah. lived a perfectly good life. Then they drank, said it'll be fine. They're not paying enough attention to themselves and the concerns of others. Get in a car and kill somebody. Yeah. Is that a bad person now? I don't think so. Mm. I think they made Terrible a really action. Bad, ter- bad decision. And they'll have sure. to have consequences for that action, right? But, but these, these, whether you go that way or whether you go towards maybe anxiety mm. or uh, obsessive compulsive um, disorders... Disorder. Yeah, Th- those are things that are, are more uh, associated with... even your with personality disorders, right? So the people that are like very borderline fearful... Exactly. That was, that was exactly the example I was thinking. Is people that um, were rejected weren't rejected. Rejected weren't rejected when in their youth or when yeah. they're kids um, can develop personality disorders around that, right? Yeah. So this terrible fear of abandonment. Yeah, so the, the word crazy doesn't actually have clinical implications. No. So people will often say that about behavior they don't understand. But mental health is very rational. Some people 
kind of yeah. conceptualize mental health as being a series of you know disorders Random that are all irrational that kind of just show people up. who are messed up in the head and don't act in, in a way that makes sense uh, if you understand it it makes total sense like what Carrie just said somebody who's borderline in a relationship would be really up and down and their partner might be going oh my oh god, god what's, what's going, going on? on but if you know that while well, they went through this and there's a lot of instability they are not able to hang on to the security of you like me i'm okay yeah. we're safe the way that maybe you even could. their perception of time there's been studies that perception of time changes with personality disorders so borderline personality or dependent personality disorders they their perception of time is very limited to the last like five hours mm-hmm. so they can't revert back easily to how you behaved yesterday or two weeks from yes. yesterday. No, they they just go on the last five yeah. hours. That's funny. I I haven't heard of that research, but that mm. makes total sense mm. because one of the things I talk about with clients in session is how a lot of people who are like that, they have this sense of absolutism where they would say whatever's happening now will continue forever. Will continue forever or has always happened. Mm-hmm. So that makes total yeah. sense that that would be the case. And vice versa, right? People who are very avoidant, I'm gonna be back in ten minutes. I'm just gonna have a drink with, you know, the neighbor. And then they're three hours. Three hours later. But that has that if if you slow down and you think about it, you learn that because of something. This is this behavior you do has a purpose. It keeps you safe, and you do it because of something. Yeah. We just have to find out what that something is, and unfortunately, we have to ask you about your childhood. We have to <laughs> go back a couple of years. And, where and this find stuff out. comes from. Yeah. So all in all, the, the gist of this episode, the reason I really wanted to make it was to get the point across that therapy isn't something you go to only if you have bad experiences. No. It's not something you go to because you think that you're broken or messed up or maybe somebody else yeah. thinks that about you. This is something you do like you would go see a personal trainer, maybe you just want to improve have yourself. Have more control over your life, yeah. to be the owner of you. To Yeah. Or maybe it's something that's kind of not a, a major issue, but is nagging. Like how you go to uh, a massage therapist, you have kind of a knot in your back. Like I did that, and then I learned, oh yeah, you have this postural issue, and I discovered stuff I didn't even know. Yeah. Maybe you find that people say you're argumentative, or people say that you uh, are so kind stubborn. of stubborn or cold or disconnected. And you, you know what? Maybe I'll just go see what's up here, and you're probably going to learn quite a bit, yeah. and your life is going to get a lot easier too. Because those blind spots, we all have them. And if you don't know what they are, you will attribute stuff to other people. And it can be very frustrating and confusing when you feel like, why is everybody else like this? And that sounds, people laugh and go, well, obviously, if it's everybody else, it's you. But it's hard to see. People say that, but everybody ends up inevitably in some kind of scenario where they are doing that. They are perpetuating some behavior and, and creating reactions from others they don't like. And they're not recognizing that they are the source of that. So hopefully this helps people become a little bit more aware. Um, we will have some more. Right, I'm going to put that. It's Adler, right? The exercise mm-hmm. you talked mm-hmm. about. Early I'll, recollections. Yeah. yeah, I'll do. I'll put the Adler exercise up. Uh, RyanAnswers.com/slash/show/notes uh, or RyanAnswers.com/slash/podcast. Excuse me. And the show notes will all be there. The Adler exercise will be there. I will put some other links and resources there. Was there anything else you wanted to no, add no, in? No, that's. I think that's it. I think it's a really good episode just because, one, it is kind of explains how therapy works and why we revert so much to past experiences. And two, I think it decriminalizes a little bit um, what our childhood looked like, right? We don't, we're not condemned by it. We're not determined by it. There's so much we can do. Absolutely. Okay. If you like our show, please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, we do new shows every Thursday. And thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week.